dressed in white gowns, though no two whites were alike among them. Every woman and girl carried in her right hand a peeled willow wand, and in her left a bunch of white flowers. They came round by the pure drop-in, and were turning to pass into the meadows, when one of the women said, The Lord, the Lord, why? Test Derbyfield, if there isn't thy father riding warm in a carriage. A young member of the band turned her head at the exclamation, she was a fine and handsome girl, and as she looked round, Derbyfield was seen moving along the road in a chaise belonging to the pure drop, singing in a slow recitative, I've got a girt family vault at Kingsbeer, and knighted forefathers in lead coffins there. The clubists tittered, except the girl called Tess. He's tired, that's all, she said hastily. Bless thy simplicity, Tess, said her companions. He's got his market niche, ha, ha. I don't walk another inch with you if you say any jokes about him, Tess cried, and the colour upon her cheeks spread over her face and neck. They said no more, and she moved on to the enclosure where there was to be dancing. Tess Derbyfield, at this time of her life, was a mere vessel of emotion untinctured by experience. The dialect was on her tongue to some extent, and phases of her childhood lurked in her aspect still. Nothing was heard further of Derbyfield, and dancing began. As there were no men in the company, the girls danced with each other, but when the hour drew on, the masculine inhabitants of the village, together with other pedestrians, gathered round the spot. Among these onlookers were three young men of a superior class, carrying small knapsacks. The two elder of the brothers were plainly not intending to linger, but the spectacle of a bevy of girls dancing seemed to amuse the third. He unstrapped his knapsack and opened the gate. "'What are you going to do, Angel?' asked the eldest. "'Have a fling with them. Why not all of us, just for a minute or two? "'No, no,' said the first. "'Dancing in public with a troop of country hoydens? "'Come along. It will be dark before we get to Star Castle. "'All right, I'll overtake you and Cuthbert in five minutes. Don't stop. "'I give my word that I will, Felix.' The two elder reluctantly left him and walked on, taking their brother's knapsack and the youngest entered the field. "'This is a thousand pities,' he said gallantly to the girls nearest to him, as soon as there was a pause in the dance. "'Where are your partners, my dears?' Well, "'They've not let off work yet,' answered one of the boldest. "'They'll be here by and by. Till then, will you be one, sir?' "'Certainly. But what's one among so many?' "'Better than none. Now, choose.' The young man, thus invited, glanced them over, and took almost the first that came to hand, which was not the speaker, nor did it happen to be Tess Derbyfield, so much for Norman blood unaided by Victorian lucre. The eclipsing girl was envied by all, yet such was the force of example that the village young men now dropped in quickly. The church clock struck. When suddenly the student said that he must leave, he had to join his companions. As he fell out of the dance, his eyes lit on Tess Derbyfield, whose own large orbs wore the faintest aspect of reproach that he had not chosen her. He too was sorry then that he had not observed her. She was so modest, so expressive, looked so soft in her thin white gown, that he felt he had acted stupidly. However, bending himself to a rapid walk, he dismissed the subject from his mind. As for Tess Derbyfield, she remained with her comrades till dusk, 
and might have stayed later, but the incident of her father's odd manner returned to make her anxious, and she bent her steps towards the parental cottage. While yet many yards off, rhythmic sounds became audible to her. They were a regular series of thumpings from the interior of the house, occasioned by the violent rocking of a cradle upon a stone floor, to which movement a feminine voice kept time by singing the favourite ditty of the spotted cow. Tess opened the door and paused upon the mat, surveying the scene. The interior, in spite of the melody, struck upon the girl's senses with an unspeakable dreariness. There stood her mother amid the group of children as Tess had left her, hanging over the Monday washing tub, which had now, as always, lingered on to the end of the week. As usual, Mrs. Durberfield was balanced on one foot beside the tub, the other being engaged in the business of rocking her youngest child. Nick-knock, nick-knock, went the cradle. The candle flame stretched itself tall and began jigging up and down. The water dribbled from the matron's elbows, and the song galloped on to the end of the verse. "'I rock the cradle for you, mother,' said the daughter gently. Her mother bore Tess no ill will for leaving the housework to her single-handed efforts for so long. Well, I'm glad you've come, her mother said. I want to tell you what have happened. You'll be fess enough, my puppet, when the snow... Mrs. Durbeyfield habitually spoke the dialect. Her daughter, who had passed the sixth standard in the national school, spoke two languages, the dialect at home, ordinary English abroad, and to persons of quality. We've been found to be the greatest gentlefolk in the old county, reaching all back long before Oliver Grumble's time, our real name being Durbeville. "'Twas on this account that your father rode home in the Vlee, "'not cause he'd been drinking, as people supposed. "'Well, I'm glad of that. "'Will it do us any good, Mother?' "'Oh, yes. "'No doubt a mampus of folk of our own rank "'will be down here in their carriages as soon as tis known. "'And where is Father now?' asked Tess, suddenly. "'Her mother put on a deprecating look. "'Now don't you be angry. "'The poor man went up to Rolliver's. "'He do want to get up his strength for his journey with that load of beehives. "'He'll have to start shortly after twelve tonight. "'Get up his strength,' said Tess, the tears welling. "'Go to a public house to get up his strength, "'and you as well agreed as he, mother.' "'No,' said the latter, touchily. "'I be not agreed. "'I have been waiting for he to keep house while I go to fetch him. "'I'll go.' "'Oh, no, Tess. "'You see—' It will be no use. Tess did not expostulate. She knew what her mother's objection meant. Mrs. Durbeyfield's jacket and bonnet were already hanging on a chair by her side, in readiness for this contemplated jaunt. And take the complete fortune-teller of the outhouse, Joan continued. Tess took it up, and her mother started. This going to hunt up her shiftless husband at the inn was one of Mrs. Durberfield's still extant enjoyments in the muck and muddle of rearing children. To sit for an hour or two by his side and dismiss all thought and care of the children during the interval made her happy. Tess, left alone with the younger children, went first to the outhouse with the book. A fetishistic fear of this grimy volume on the part of her mother prevented her ever allowing it to stay in the house all night. Tess mused on what the mother could have wished to ascertain from the book on this particular day. She did not divine that it solely concerned herself. Dismissing this, however, she busied herself with sprinkling the linen dry during the daytime, in company with her nine-year-old brother Abraham and her sister, 
Eliza Louisa of twelve and a half, called Liza Lou, the youngest ones being put to bed. It grew later, and neither father nor mother reappeared. I must go myself, Tess said, and locking them all in, started on her way up the dark and crooked lane. Rolliver's Inn could only boast an off-license, hence nobody could legally drink on the premises, but in a large bedroom upstairs were gathered nearly a dozen persons, all seeking beatitude. A four-post bedstead afforded sitting space for several persons. A couple more men had elevated themselves on a chest of drawers. Another rested on the washstand, and thus all were somehow seated at their ease. Mrs. Durberfield was welcomed and turned to where her husband sat. He was humming in a low tone. I've got a girt family vault at Kingsbeer, and finer skillingtons than any man in Wessex. I've something to tell you that's come into my head about that. A grand project, whispered his wife. There's a great rich lady out by Trantridge of the name of Durberville. That lady must be our relation, and my project is to send Tess to claim kin. Likely enough, twould lead to some noble gentleman marrying her. In short, I know it. How? I tried her fate in the fortune teller, and it brought out that very thing. What says the maid herself to goin'? I've not asked her, but she won't say no. The conversation became inclusive, and presently footsteps were heard crossing the room below. The newcomer was Tess and hardly was a reproachful flash from her dark eyes needed to make her father and mother rise from their seats. They went home.